So I'm here today with my buddy Weston. Can you tell everybody hi? Hey. <laughs> and so as you know, uh, Community Life is all about family services, and this is um, uh, my buddy Weston who's going to help me teach today a little bit. And so I'm going to ask you, buddy, if you would, you can use any of these blocks here, okay? And I want you to build a wall on top of this here, okay? Can you do that for me? You do that. Go ahead. You go ahead and get started. You do that while I talk to these guys out here, okay? So you just put them all up here. Build me a nice, big wall, okay? Go ahead. These are some of the coolest things, um, these Melissa and Doug blocks. They come in like pizza boxes that are like flat, and you got to put them together. So they're not super easy to put together, but once they're together, they're fun. And uh, one of the first times I ever played with these myself uh, was when I was a family life pastor, and I had my son Trevor, who is now 12. He was about three or four at the time, and he, I think we were teaching a story about Nehemiah, perhaps. You're doing a great job. You can use all the colors, okay? You're coming, oh, you're coming all the way down here. Okay, good. Now you go. Now, now go up, right? We're going to, we're, there you go. Pick them all up. Very good. And uh, we were doing a story where we were actually using these. And I said, okay, buddy, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it. And then I want you to actually act like a bully. And I want you to knock it down. Can you do that? And he was like, yeah, I can do that. So this dude, he is such a ham. And he was even crazier when he was three or four. And so when I started building it up a little bit, he didn't even wait until I got it built, and he started kicking it down. At one point in time, I think I tackled my little dude on the stage that we were at just to kind of stop him, like, stop, stop knocking it down. <laughs> I got to tell the story. But we were in ministry together for the first time, and we had a good time. I don't know. I think you're doing a really good job. What do you think? You liking this? Keep going. Hey, we're in the middle of a series right now called Goals, and it has a lot to do with building. We're doing a study from the Nehemiah. Uh, the first week, we learned that the big idea was that big difficulties can inspire God-sized goals. So Nehemiah learned that there was a wall around Jerusalem that was destroyed. And he said numerous times, even the gates were burnt down. And so that, and gates were a big deal because it was the primary entrance and exit of the city, of, of the, of the uh, wall there. And uh, so they would have to get in there in certain ways. Well, if you have no gate, you have no protection. And so he was, he, was just tear, he was just tore up from the floor up, right? That he just, his, where his ancestors were buried, this was just in ruins. Last week, we learned that you were actually designed, right? Weston is designed to build this wall the way he's building it. He's doing a great job. He, we are designed for God-sized goals. You were designed for that because you were, have the image of God. Uh, you were created in the image of God. And so you are able to, you are capable of God-sized goals. Now, what we're going to learn today is how Nehemiah dealt with opposition. Now, you guys remember when I was telling you about how Trevor kind of did a thing? Um, you would imagine that uh, somebody that is around you would never do something so terrible. But what was happening is that in Nehemiah's day, um, it was as though... Those who were coming against Nehemiah were going up around Nehemiah and kind of... I think he was about to punch me. I got to turn a little sideways there. And I know what you're saying. What is that for? That's not so different. 
than the way we treat, we treat each other sometimes. One person tries to do the work of the Lord and build up, and some very sweet soul comes along to try to tell them otherwise. Today we're going to learn through Nehemiah about how people get in my face. Do you have anybody in your face? Sometimes we have people in our face. Hey, buddy, you're doing a great job. Go sit down, okay? Well done. Let's hear it for Weston. Man, you really took this full length right here. He was ready to fill in this entire section. So we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 4. Gracie, can you grab my Bible, please? I did it again. First service, I did that. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 3, and we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4. Thank you, honey. And then we're going to talk about one verse in Nehemiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to open up to Nehemiah chapter 3. Also, you can just open up the Bible app. If you're watching online, you probably are watching on a device or pick up another device, whatever. I encourage you somehow, some way, be able to have the scriptures in front of you so that way you can actually highlight things. I got a new Bible for Christmas, and what I love about this is that there's a huge margin in the side over here so I can actually write notes. So I'm highlighting all the stuff that I'm learning and teaching through Nehemiah right now, and I'm putting the big idea next to it with the date. That's just how I'm choosing to do it. It doesn't take long at all, but it shows progress. So when you begin to go through the Bible and you're wondering, you know, have I even really been reading any? That can encourage you and see what you've been learning. Some people will put the name of whoever's doing the speaking on that day as well, so you kind of get an idea of what you were learning. Um, but however you choose to grow, however you choose to learn, uh, that's a, a good way to do it. So today's sermon title, In My Face. People get in our face. And the big idea is that God gives us strength to pursue God-sized goals. God will always give you the strength to do what he has called you to do. If he's called you to do it, he'll equip you to do it. You've heard that before? He will absolutely be with you in those moments. It may not always look exactly the way that you think it should look, but I guarantee you he is with you and he is going to see his will fulfilled. He wants to see in his will things go from chaos into completeness. He wants to see so all this rubble that's going on. People get discouraged when they see rubble and they see a mess. And then when things start coming together, you can get excited about, I think we're getting there, guys. I think we're getting there. Even now, there's things in your life where you see maybe projects at home and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Even within this, uh, the COVID stuff, we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel where we're here. Look at us. Look at us. Look around. Look at me. Look next to you. Right? You can look. Like, like, there's people here, and we get, we're together. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Somehow, I don't know what that light is really mean, but, but I believe that God is doing a thing. And so we see that completeness coming. And so Nehemiah began to see things happening, but people were around him, and they were telling him, they were, they were putting him down, they were criticizing the work. You ever have somebody come around you and go, mm, I wouldn't have done it like that? Come on. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it like that. It's interesting. Um, I don't deal with a lot of contractors or anything like that, but it's interesting if you have multiple individuals uh, from the same department. Like, let's say, for instance, you have somebody that's a carpenter, and then they come in and they do a work, and then you, maybe you don't get that guy again for one reason or another, or they, maybe they're not doing it. You get somebody else, and that guy will, individual will come in and say, hmm, 
I wouldn't have done it like that. And then another guy would come in and go, Mm-mm, I wouldn't have done it like that. And so you always got some level of opposition, somebody thinking their way is the right way. And let me just tell you that your way doesn't line up with this. It's not the right way. And so we have these ideas. Well, there's opposition in, to Nehemiah, and they're looking at this wall, and it's coming together, and they're having a hard time with it. During our reading of Nehemiah chapter 3, I'm not going to read all of chapter 3, you're welcome, uh, but I encourage you to read through Nehemiah chapter 3. And what you're going to find in chapter 3 is a fantastic list of names. This was Nehemiah's team. He knew that he needed help, he needed to actually have people with him, so he went around and, um, and he got people to be on team with him and to actually do the work. Do the work together. So in the New International Version, NIV, you're going to see a phrase, and uh, possibly even in the New Living Translation and some other translations, some variation of the phrase, made repairs. And that's a very significant phrase when you do this, when you learn, because we're actually talking about these repairs, is a Hebrew word used 35 times in chapter 3 alone. It has the idea of strengthening, encouraging, and making something strong. The Bible says that we must be built up and repaired. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, God says that the purpose of the church is for the equipping of the saints. So you see the parallel here? You see how this applies to what we're doing? That we're actually made repairs? that we were supposed to build up and strengthen the same type of language that was used in Nehemiah is used also in Ephesians, that we build one another up. You know, when you come together, this is not meant for us to come together, everybody kind of do their own thing, and then everybody leave. The goal of the church is to come together and encourage one another to actually be a blessing to one another and strengthen one another. So that way when the church leaves our one room, then we go out and we do the work of the church because now we've been empowered and strengthened and encouraged. And our primary responsibility, my primary responsibility from right now moving forward is to equip the saints because I have a concern about the church. In this day and age, we've never seen anything like a pandemic. We're learning, we're writing the rule book as we, as we go. We're not only writing it, but we're changing it. And then we're messing it up. And then we're changing it again. And we're trying to figure it out. Never before, many years before, even now, there was a brand new thing that popped on the scene where there was really no rules for it called the internet. And it was, it was a brand new thing we had to deal with. And so... Again, something could happen that we've never experienced before, where we have been so reliant on something that could not be there. And so what I want, what I desire so desperately for all of us to understand is to process this question. If you did not hear a message online or listen to a podcast, would you still be able to grow your faith? By just picking this up. I don't know that we're all there yet, but that's not a shaming thing, that's a revealing thing. 
we need to be diving in. That's why we're doing what we're doing. December, we read as a church family the book of Luke. This month, we're reading through the Temple Challenge, the book of Acts, which is just off the hook, I might say. I'm listening to it. I'm reading it. It's crazy stuff that's going on in there. And we're just, we're growing together, right? And so the equipping of the saints is so important that one day, disciples will be truly investing and making disciples. That is the reason and the purpose of the church. And that's what we're going to be learning over this year. For Nehemiah today, he had a goal. He had a God-sized goal, and he needed a group of people to be in there with him. And Nehemiah chapter 3 is a list of the work, the builders. And it was a pretty exciting thing because this is like the ultimate thank you note where this has survived for so long, and he wrote down all the stuff that people did. So-and-so built this, and this person over here was at this gate, and this person was over here doing this thing, and what great value that was added because he remembered who was on team with him. In Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, they talk about the building of the sheep gate. The sheep gate was a place where everybody would come in, and they would bring their sheep, and for, for buying and selling and things of that nature. So it was very important that they prioritized the gates. If they did not prioritize the gates, uh, then they would struggle with getting everything else because that was the primary entrance and exit. And so later in Nehemiah 4, you'll find that they, they, the, the, the actual gates were not in place yet. So what were they building then? They were probably focusing on a level of the framing that went where the gates would need to go. So that needed to be strong. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a contractor in the first service. His name's Dustin. And the reality is you could have the strongest door possible, but if it's not secure in its framing, then it's just going to fall down. It does you no good. So they focused on this entrance and they began to build it out from there. So all this is focused on the gates. The priority is build the gates. And so 6 through 12, these verses, the builders were near the old gate. And here's something crazy about this. These guys were not professionals. These guys were not in the yellow pages, and they were like, let's get all the builders. They were in different professions, but because they were hardworking and God called them to be a part of this work, God equipped them to do the work. And so even though they didn't have the top-level skill, they made it happen. Anybody tells you that you can't do that because your level's not there, hey, then work hard and get where you need to be, right? Jump in with humility because I guarantee you this team was so unified that if Nehemiah came along and said, because they didn't just let them do whatever they wanted to do, there had to be a plan, there had to be a focus, there had to be a goal. And so Nehemiah is probably walking along saying, hey man, that's really good. Let's shift it a little bit this way so that way it builds a little bit more strength. And hey, this is great. Let's do it a little bit like this. And I could see them now going, okay, yeah, let's do it that way. And they work together with humility and unity because it wasn't about individually, it was about the group. But they knew their role. They knew their role, and they went after their role. They worked on the broad wall, uh, verse 13. They worked on the valley gate, 14. The builders worked on the dung gate. You didn't know that was in there, did you? That's right. You can only imagine what went in and out of the dung gate. And yeah, there was a level of fertilizer that went in and out of the, of the dung gate, but it was also a gate dedicated for, for garbage, for trash. 
And so there was one gate, and I'm not saying I'd ever want to work that gate, but I do agree that let's put everything through that gate that stinks, because I wouldn't want them coming through the main gate. You know, you wouldn't want all that stank coming through there. And so they were working on the dung gate, very important. 15 to 25, the verses, they tell us about the builders of the fountain gate, and 26 and 27 talks about near the water gate. So important that these gates come together. Now, if you look in Nehemiah chapter 3, you will see that when they talk about this, they actually put names next to it. Now, I know what people say, I don't know how to pronounce those names. I get it. I learn names throughout the day that I'm just, I try to say it or I'm trying to spell it. Totally get it. But that gives us no excuse to not see it, to not receive it. So let's take a moment here, right? So we have Rephiah, the son of Hut, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was the next, next to them building on the wall. So they have this collection of history that says, hey, I was here and this guy was here. And then this guy over here, son of so-and-so, was here. And so it doesn't matter if you know specifically how to pronounce the names. You want to know something, you'll find it on YouTube, right? So you go on there, how do I say? And there's a lot of different pronunciations for sure. I work hard at trying to understand names and say the names, right? So that there's a little bit of uh, little fluidity, if you will, in the, in, the, in the reading. But it's hard. And a lot of these names, uh, probably 98% of the names aren't even used today. And so don't get caught up on names. Get caught up on the significance that Nehemiah said, this was my team. They did this. They did this. It wasn't just a group of people that, did a, that built a wall. It was a bunch of individuals that came together unified to create something of great value. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 3, I have a couple observations here. This chapter shows us the need for believers to work together to accomplish something right? I think one of the greatest miracles in churches today, which is so sad to say, that, that the church would actually be unified enough to do something. There are some churches out there that would be so divided, they wouldn't even be able to figure out how to paint a wall together. They wouldn't even be able to work together. They wouldn't even be able to do whatever. Because of the reality, they're just not working together. The church needs to come together. In a unified way, the church needs to come together and accomplish something. The group of people that I have the privilege of working with are so on point with working together to accomplish a goal. The way that we have done things and something as simple as even just this wall behind me, we had at least five people working on different ways, five or six people working on different things to bring it together. It takes a team. If you look in our lobby space, you'll see our logo and the vision and the mission on the wall. You're going to see there was another group of people over there that worked on that. because And these people, that's not their trade. But because they know how to do it and they were willing to get on, on, on to do it, hey, guess what? We work as a team to make it happen. So these chapters show us the need for believers to accomplish something together. The work done was a reflection on the family. Almost everyone mentioned is mentioned as the son of somebody, the son of someone. And so think about it. If your gate area or your wall section, because people knew, look at this, people knew where you worked. You were working on the sheep gate, weren't you? Let's go check that out. 
son of whoever, right? So Trevor, son of Gordon, uh, we're going to go over and look at your section. And if the place was falling apart, we'd be like, I can't believe your boy did this. I can't believe he did it either. And it's just a mess. So that would be dishonor to your family and dishonor to the whole project and dishonor to God. And yet, people worked as though it truly mattered. They worked as to the Lord. Now, as we get into Nehemiah chapter 4, we, Nehemiah chapter 3, we see the team. We see the team, how they came together. They're working together. They got their different spots to work. Nehemiah chapter 4 comes in, verses 1 to 3, and we begin to see just people getting in people's face. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and a charred ones at that? Now, you may not say that to people's face, but you know as well as I do that there's people at home that say, I, that, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense, and I don't get this, and I don't get that. And we say things, right, because the tongue has the power of life and death, and who knows how that, those words could manifest it in some way. And they're just spe- word vomit, man. That's what I call it. People just throwing stuff out there. How, what do they think that they're going to do? And it's, here's the reality. They're not even most likely just opposing Nehemiah. They're opposing the progress here, right? Because they were happy in their junk for a long time. People are just happy with their filth. They want to stay in their filth. And if you start cleaning up in the name of Jesus, you start acting different and doing different and talking different, people are going to say, just because you go to church, you with me? Don't think you're better than me. Mm Mm-hmm. And what do we do? Oh, but I <laughs> I don't know how we do that. We we get we act weak. No, I'm not better. That's the whole reason why I needed a savior. <laughs> and you're the same way. You needed a savior too. So Nehemiah kind of talks through some stuff here. Tobiah and Ammonite who was standing beside him, remarked, these stone walls would collapse if even a fox walked across the top of it. So slanderous. (laughs) So let's talk about these bullies. What are they saying? You're weak. Sound familiar? You can't do it. Mocking the quality of their work, mocking their pain, mocking their beliefs, tried to crush their hopes. Because if if, if the opposition can get you to believe a lie, sound familiar? Can get you to live a lie. Ah, you're probably right. I don't like them, they don't like me, but they're probably right. Whoever said they were right? Somehow, someway, we could have 100 people saying, you've got this, keep going, go do it. And some knucklehead out of nowhere who has no investment in your life can say, that's not going to work, and we believe that person. A person that has zero investment in your life has zero opportunity to criticize you. Do you hear that? So just let the Spirit of God work inside of you. 
I'm not saying that you can't learn from anybody. I'm simply saying, why would you put the weight of their criticism at the same level of people that have been in your life your whole life? And so here's these individuals coming out of nowhere, just causing trouble. And you know what Nehemiah did? Picked up a baseball bat, right? I know you're thinking, yeah, and he started clunking, right? No, Nehemiah prayed. You want to pick up a club? That's how you pick up the club, right? You, you pray. And he starts praying, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. Not because God needed an update. God didn't need a, like a report, right, a memo. Hey, I'm going to let you know because you don't know. But it's a level of humility for Nehemiah to say, hey, I'm dealing with this thing. You see what's going on? They're doing this. Help us. Guide us. Instruct us. Empower us. And while he's praying, while he's doing the work, do you know what happened here? Nehemiah did not get distracted. We're in, we're in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. 4 to 6. Nehemiah did not get distracted. We can so easily get distracted from what the, what, what the work of the Lord is in our life. And it doesn't matter where you work, where you live. There is ministry opportunities everywhere. Always ministry opportunities. Don't get distracted. If God called you, then he's going to walk with you. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. And Nehemiah knew the work. We learned throughout the chapter of chapter 4 of Nehemiah that what happened was at some point, Nehemiah and some of the individuals there as well were holding the material with one hand, holding things in place, and holding a sword or some weapon in the other hand. Who's willing to do the work of the Lord like that? Hmm. Mm. right now we want it comfortable we want it easy i'm sure there's people that are here in this right now that have said when i got saved i was told that it was going to make everything better somebody done lied to you isn't that right brandy guess what you follow jesus oh yeah by the way you have to leave it all walk away from it all you need to follow me so closely that it seems like you hate everything else. But we get so wrapped up in comfort that we allow ourselves to get distracted. Well, you know, God must have shut the door on that. Maybe. Or maybe not. Nehemiah took it to God. Nehemiah took it to God. He was praying. He didn't get distracted. God, do you see what's going on here? I know you see what's going on here, but I'm letting you know because, because I just want to say it. This is what's going on. Help! And in the midst of all this, holding the wall, holding the sword, what's Nehemiah doing? He keeps going. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Man, do I know it's hard. I talk to many people that are struggling in ways that I just am not. So I know what's going on, but I have my own things, right? You have things? You have struggles right now? We had struggles, and then we came into 2020, and then everybody got a, a bruise in the back of the head because we got hit with a bat, right? Like we just, oh, man, what's going on? So we have struggles even more so. It's harder. So we've got struggles, but guess what? I'm going to say, let's just keep going. Not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough of its own trouble, so let's just worry about today. Let's just get through today. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and you're going to wonder if it's worth keep going. And I'm going to say, you know what? Let's just focus on today. Let's not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. Let's just focus one 
day at a time. All Nehemiah could do is focus one day, one moment, one interaction at a time. Imagine how hard it was. When the walls were first built, there wasn't the same opposition. And yet when they were rebuilding the walls with incredible opposition, they got it done in like just over 50 days, which was crazy fast. But when God's in the mix of something and you just keep going, he's going to accomplish. Just keep going. Nehemiah chapter 7 verses, uh, or Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 23. It goes on to talk about how they're going after him again. They're yelling at him. They were furious. They were mad. They were, they were fighting against people. And Nehemiah took it to God again. Did you know that you can pray about the same thing twice? Did you know that? Sometimes we get wrapped up in the idea that, um, well, I'm not supposed to pray a lot because Jesus said that the Pharisees kept saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, because their heart was a wreck. You keep going to your heavenly father over and over again and just talk with them and process things. You don't have a problem calling up one of your friends and going about the same thing over and over again, and they can't do anything about it. At least your heavenly father, who, who created you, loves you best, and knows you most, right, can totally handle these things. And that's where you find the strength as the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so take it to God again. See, when the Bible says things like pray without ceasing, it's like this constant state of prayer. It's, it's, telling, it's for real. It's, it's not a suggestion, but rather you need this. I need this. So keep talking to God about everything, everything, even the silliest little things that you think are silly. Just process it with the Lord. It's far better than processing it with somebody who's not going to send you in the right direction. Nehemiah prioritized what? How many people prioritize rest? Yeah, right here. Come on now. Nobody. We got two. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. We got to prioritize rest. You know, the creator of the universe did a thing a number of thousands of years ago and um, worked for six days building everything. And then the one who doesn't get tired took a break. Isn't that interesting? So I wonder if it's, you know, sometimes Pastor Gordon gets these little insights and I'm like, I never thought about that. So maybe it's deeper than physical rest. Maybe there's something, a connection there. You need to do a study on this. First service didn't get that. So you need to do a study on why would God rest? And read through that for yourself. But nonetheless, great example, we can work hard and then take some time. If you have time to use, use some sick time. We got a number of first responders that are working their butts off, man. There's a lot of people that are working so hard. Take some time. Figure out some time. Let us pray over you. Let us do whatever we can to support you and encourage you. But you need to prioritize that somehow. Nehemiah chose community. Did you know that community, getting together with people is a choice? That's right. You get a choice to whether or not you connect with people. You could show up here every Sunday and, and just kind of sit somewhere, but it's a choice to choose community. And so if you want to be a part of something, you get to be a part of it based on what you choose. And so he chose to be around people. He could have gone out there and been, you know, the superhero and put did it all himself. 
I doubt he would have got it done, but nonetheless, he, would, he totally decided to bring community into all of it. And Nehemiah kept going again. See how that correlates, how that applies to our life as well? Keep on going. Doesn't matter. I know that it's hard, but keep going. Pray and keep going. Pray and keep going. Say that with me. Pray and keep going. Because oftentimes we try to keep going on our own power, and then we talk to God later. Well, I can't do anything else but pray. How about we start with prayer and then see what else we can do? Because maybe God has an insight for you that he could say, hey, have you considered this? Hey, have you considered that? And then you can go right down there, go right down that road. But keep going again and again. Nehemiah chapter 6. So we have Nehemiah 3, who there was a team. Nehemiah chapter 4, which is all the opposition that came upon them, and yet they kept moving forward. And then that brings us, we're going to go into Nehemiah chapter 6 here, a very powerful prayer that he's experienced all this opposition of all these people coming after him. And yet he prays very earnestly, right? Um, Nehemiah 6, 9. They are all trying to frighten us, thinking that uh, their hands will get weak for the work. They were actually saying out loud, if you read through chapter, some of chapter 4 there towards the end, I believe it is, where they were actually saying, your hands are going to get weak. What what a slanderous thing to say, right? Your hands are going to get weak. And so because they were saying that, well, I don't know because, I don't know his intentions, but it looks like that that was his reasons. Um, Nehemiah used the same wording that they were saying to actually be empowered. So they say, my hands are going to get weak. So I say, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands that I can continue to do the work because I'm holding something, I'm holding a sword, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to get the work done. I'm trying. So if they say with their words, right, the tongue has the power of life and death, so if they're going to speak death, I'm going to speak life against it. They think I'm going to get weak? Strengthen my hands, Lord. Strengthen my hands, Nehemiah prayed. He prayed, I'm sure it was this earnest, I'm sure his hands were sore. I'm sure there was, level, there, was, there was brokenness on his hands. I'm sure that some guys worked with broken fingers. I mean, imagine, this was not a comfy thing. They were moving very fast, and they were being opposed at every turn. And yet they kept going. Next time you have an opportunity to serve, do it with a broken finger. Now, I'm not saying break it. To do it, I'm saying that if you got a little pain in your pinky, you know what? You got another one? Show up and do the work of the Lord, whatever he's calling you to do. Keep going. Keep going. Nehemiah is teaching us that very simple understanding. Keep going. He simply asked for strength to finish the work. God, I got this job that you have me doing right now, this project, and I'm getting tired, and I can feel the opposition. You ever get close to the end of a project or whatever, especially when you're doing something for the Lord, and, and you're starting to feel the heaviness, and you're starting to like question, and you're starting to doubt, and you're starting to these things, right? There is no, there's no coincidence there, because our enemy, our opposition, is, is saying, your hands are going to get weak, you're going to get tired. You're messing it all up. You're going to try to get in your head. And so you need to pray, Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, strengthen my mind in the name of Jesus and keep going. You have full access to the same spirit believer that raised Jesus from the dead. If you have chosen to follow Jesus with your life, you have access to the same spirit. Do you understand that? 
You understand the significance of that? So stop living like you don't. Stop living like everything else relies on whatever. Focus on what God's doing in your life and make it happen. So I've learned, uh, to kind of bring this all together, I've learned from the scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7, powerful verse that we learn here as believers. For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, does not make us weak, does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This power is a level of strength, physical strength even, energy, motivation. He gives us a spirit of power and of love. The same wording right here is this agape love, God's love. This sacrificial love is what we're talking about here. And the word love is used in a couple different ways throughout Scripture, but this one specifically is talking about the love that God leads with, this agape love, this sacrificial love. So you not only have the power and the energy and the strength to move forward, you also have the love to be able to do it. And we have the self-discipline, the self-control to be able to kind of bring it together. It is not a spirit of fear. As a believer, you may feel fear, but you should not operate in fear. You should not lead with fear. We should lead with power, love, and discipline, self-discipline, because that's what the church looks like. It's not about being entertained, now is it? It's about being empowered, and the Spirit empowers us. We're reading right now through the book of Acts. And I'm loving going through this book of re this reading with the Temple Challenge. And we read that Jesus said, okay, so what's going to happen is that we're going to set up kind of a, not really a hub, but you know what I mean. We're going to start right here in Jerusalem. And you can almost, if you watch the Bible Project, like this fire comes around there, then it's going to spread out. And they're like, let's go. And he goes, wait, I'm going to send someone. Don't go until you receive the Spirit. Wait. Oh, but I got to do it now, but I got to get out there. Oh, time out, big guy. Wait. You'll know when it's time. And they went and they waited. This is really hard. I don't like to wait. And the Spirit came upon them in a magnificent way. I can't even have, I don't even have time to kind of go into that even more. But it's so wonderful, the imagery that these tongues of fire landed over each one of the apostles uh, and, and ready to enter them as the temple. If you remember back in the day that we've learned before in the Old Testament, there was one pillar of fire that came down, that came into the, the temple there where God was. But because Jesus came to set up a new order, there's now these little mobile temples, and that's you and me. And so the same imagery this fire, and it breaks up into, God is very intentional, read your Bible, and these, these tongues of fire, and it lands on these people, and they're like, yeah, and now they're ready to go and do the thing, and here we are all these years later, and we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. We're not promised an easy process, but we are promised that we don't need to be afraid, that God's Spirit will be with us as we're doing God's will. We try to do our own thing sometime and ask God to bless it, and when he doesn't bless it, we think that he failed us. That's you leading with your agenda rather than seeing what he's up to and jumping on board. You realize he's in charge, right? It's not a whole bunch of whatever we want to do. It's about what he's doing. And what did he say from the beginning? Preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. 
Take care, take care of the poor. Take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. Like, take care of them. Just keep doing it over and over. Take care of the weak. Like, keep taking care of them. Keep sharing the gospel. And we come up with all kinds of new and interesting and even sometimes nice things to do. But because there's, maybe it's not what God wanted us to do. I don't know. We are promised, uh, we are promised that God's spirit will be with us, that God will give us strength. The resistance is actually a good thing. If you've ever been in a situation where people oppose you, I want to tell you that that's a good thing for you. That's a good thing for me because it strengthens your faith muscle. If you have no reason to use your muscles, guess what? Just like your physical muscles, your spiritual muscles atrophy, and then they're, they're, they're almost no good. And so you need to actually have that. This is a great time in history of all the, of all the world of history to strengthen our faith muscles. Don't waste time just binge washing stuff. It's okay to watch a little bit, right? I do that. But we need to strengthen our faith muscles. We need to actually be filling our spirits, growing in love, and develop a four-letter word that many people miss out. That's called grit. You need to get into it and stay into it. Our dream team had, uh, that's what I I call the staff here, this is our dream team. We had a little retreat on Tuesday, and I had a a gentleman, uh, we went over to a church over on... uh, Market Street, Arlington Memorial Baptist Church. A friend of mine is a family life pastor there. His name's Craig. He lives in the community here. And he let us use one of the rooms. And I said, hey, Craig, you've been here so long, like 30 years he's been there. And he's been investing in Mogador for so long. I said, will you come and teach on the importance of legacy, the importance of longevity, and help us see what the value is in staying where you are and just moving forward with greatness and working hard, holding that wall and holding that sword, just moving forward and developing that grit instead of doing a two-year stint, one-year stint, three-year stint, this, but staying where you are and investing as much as you can. Develop grit. So that brings us all to our big idea that we're learning today. God gives us strength to pursue God-sized goals. God gives us that strength to pursue God-sized goals. Now, as I like to do, it's one thing to hear it, but how do I make it practical? Like, we had some application in there. I hope you caught it. But what's our next steps? Let me ask you this. What's one goal you're working on right now that requires God's strength? Think about it. What's one goal? It probably it could be a small goal, could be a big goal. Remember, God-sized goals don't mean that it's a huge thing. It could be a very even deeper significant thing, perhaps. Like talking to someone you hadn't talked to in a long time or making an apology, or writing a letter, or encouraging somebody. It doesn't matter what it is. What's one goal that you're working on right now that would require God's strength? Okay, so let's think about this goal. Does it honor God? I don't know what your goal is. You need to decide. You need to pray through it. Does it honor God? Okay, I could see how it honor God. Is it from God? Is this really what God wants you to do? Now, if you have that goal, and you say... Yeah, I could see this would honor God. But God, is this really what you want me to do? It may be a good thing. And sometimes good things can actually steer us away from our life goal. So is it from God? And if it is, go for it. Go for it because our God is a way maker. 
He's a way maker. He will make a path for you. He's the one that moves the oceans. He's the one that puts things in places that makes people go, how did that happen? He's the one that does it. He's been making a way in such incredible ways, even now, within our church family and within our communities. He's making a way. Why? Because when you stick to what he's doing, he's going to make it happen. Let's have a moment of prayer, and then we'll go into this world. Encouraged, strengthened, empowered. Heavenly Father, we've just learned from some more from the book of Nehemiah. Thank you for preserving this. Thank you for allowing us today to be able to read something that happened so long ago. What a way to, to learn that though things uh, appear a little different in 2021, we're still dealing with stuff. <laughs> we're still dealing with people against us. We're still dealing with people trying to be nice, but actually not nice. And people just flat out in our face trying to tear us down. But you know what? I choose to believe, 2 Timothy 1.7, that you do not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I just choose to believe that. I thank you for the, the, the opportunity, the power of choice, that I can choose to live victorious or I can choose to live defeated. I can choose to live with you or I can choose to live without you. And God, I, I just will not choose. I will not. I choose right now not to choose to, to, to live another way. So as we've just heard this, I pray that you will lock this into our hearts, rather lock it into our spirits, into our minds. May we go forth today encouraged and empowered to be who you've called us to be. And so we give you all the honor and glory because we can't boast about it. We can't, we can't say we did it. It's all about you. Every God-sized goal requires God-sized help. And so we thank you for the privilege of being able to call upon you in those moments. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Now receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now go and be the church.